Hey everybody, welcome to the Unfiltered Equestrian. My name's Tammy Yost Wilden, and today we have a very special guest in the house. It's Miss Sydney Anderson of Columbus, Montana, and she's been a student of mine in Hart T. Ranch Performance Horses uh, lessons and showing for 10 years. Uh, she turned 16 in March. <laughs> so welcome, Sydney. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being a, a victim in my interview process here. <laughs> <laughs> question, so so um, I've been starting off the, the top of the podcast with um, wine reviews. Oh, that sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> but since you're a junior writer, I thought today we would review um, your latest favorite drink or snack dang quarantine's got me liking everything now <laughs> <laughs> i've gotten to like toast quite a bit i used to, i used to hate toast but now i like toast toast yeah i don't know why it's just i like toast now that is not what i thought you were gonna say you know what i thought you were gonna say hot cheetos right yeah i knew i knew what you were thinking i was just trying to t- curveball you a little you're bit. messing with me sid <laughs> What's new? Just when I think I have you figured out. So why do you like hot Cheetos? Oh, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I like hot Cheetos. I, I like that they're hot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I like them with mac and cheese. That's probably my favorite combo is mac and cheese and hot Cheetos. Do you mix the hot Cheetos in the mac and cheese or in separately? Sometimes you just got to stuff both in your mouth because you don't want hot Cheetos soggy. That's like the worst. But then if you just like... Take a bite of mac and cheese and then a, a hot Cheeto, then you're fine. Because it's, like, crunchy. The mac and cheese is perfect. Well, there you go. <laughs> From the teenage expert on hot Cheetos, try that next time you have a mac and cheese. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from? I'm from Columbus, Montana. And uh, you guys have a cattle ranch, right? Yep, we have a cattle ranch that my grandpa, Helga, who came down from Norway, he started it in about 1934. Wow. I think that's right. Pretty sure it's right. And he started out with Herefords and made his way to Black Angus. And there's still reminiscence of um, where the barn used to be, where the chicken coop used to be, where his old house used to be. Um, and different, he, I remember him telling my mom that where different springs were around, around the area. Oh, wow. And yeah, there's, there's lots of, lots of cool stuff to go look at. I mean, for sure. And I didn't get to meet him because he passed away from a a cancerous tumor in his head, but, uh, he did leave a lot of cool stuff behind. I mean, there's like old saddles and just stuff like that. It's pretty cool. That's very neat. And that's on your dad's side of the family? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Very neat. So um, you grew up riding. How old were you when your mom got you on a horse? (laughs) So I had this little Shetland pony. Her name was Patchy. And uh, I was about three months old because when I first started riding, my mom would tie me in with my dad's neckties because he used to work for Keebler. And she would tie me in with his ties and we'd just walk around. It was pretty fun. I don't remember it, but 
she has pictures. It was pretty. It looked cool. You were I like know. two. The pictures I saw when she was leading you on mm-hmm. the pony, tied in the oh, saddle yeah. with the neckties. I, when I got older, I used to just hate being led around. Like I, I remember, we were going on a trail ride one time, and <laughs> I got off Patchy and sat on the ground and started crying because she wouldn't let me go and ride by myself. <laughs> I mean, and we were riding with other people, and they're like, just let her go by herself. My mom's like, all right, but if she gets hurt, I blame you. I was fine, but I was just, that's probably the biggest tantrum I ever threw in my life. I'm not even joking. I got on the ground and just started bawling, and I was so mad. Well, I remember the first time I met your mom and you, we were gathering for Bob Bleeker. Do you remember that? I do remember that. You were six years old and no helmet, no nothing, (laughs) had this little whip and we're gathering cows and um, your mom like sent you over the hill and I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) You're like, yeah, Patrick. So after we got done gathering that day, I told my dad, I'm like, you need to like tell that Tara girl to get that kid over to my place for lessons before she dies. (laughs) start riding with me for maybe about six months after she started with you first Mm -hmm. and um I remember you learning to ride on patchy you were a really good student though like you always did exactly what I said and yeah I don't know I just always that's how mom and dad kind of raised me though like you do what you're told and you don't just do it just there's nothing else to it. Just go do it, and then no passing the buck, right? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, you just go do it. So then, um, Patchy turned out to not be a fabulous jumper. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was not fun to watch, probably either. I mean, I wrote, <laughs> we would she would stop at jumps and just like cur- turn into a cutter pretty much, and just turn around and just shoot off the other way, and I'd be hanging off the side of her like, what do I do? And he would just stop her. I'm like, I can't stop. It was not good. I mean, she was a great (laughs) pony, but she just, you outgrew her, right? And she wasn't, I, and I still don't know if she had a vision issue. I suspect she may have, or if it just kind of, um, she didn't like jumping. I don't know. So (laughs) who did you move on to next? I think it was Hiram, wasn't it? It was Hiram. Yeah. He was such a sweetheart. So who was Hiram? Hiram was a mule that you had and he was just the best. That's all I gotta say. I mean, he was literally the best. At just learning how to just a step up horse of just learning new new concepts of riding and stuff like that. I mean, he was so gentle. It was funny because at the end of lessons, you he would know when the end was because he would just start kind of like bogging down and be like, "All right, we're done here. <laughs> we're done an hour." Yeah, yet. yeah, pretty much. So by the time you rode him, Hiram was in his early twenties. Um, for those of you who don't know, Hiram was a mule. There'll be a whole nother podcast episode on Hiram alone, but. Um, I competed him to a meter 15 at Spruce Meadows in Calgary, Alberta, in the Battle of the Breeds. Um, the mule did everything, team penning, barrel race, all-timed events. Um, I roped on him, at, but his real thing was jumping. He had an auto lead change, so he really was a gift to um, my lesson program. And Sid was um, just about the last kid 
to get to, um, well, you were the last one to get to show him because mm-hmm. then we discovered he had Cushing's and he uh, was going blind. So yeah, I remember that. Then we, um, we went through a series of you just riding whatever was around, right? Yeah, so we went just... from like Patchy to Hiram to Fox to Faye. Well, Faye, they... Faye was afterwards. Yeah, so tell us about Faye. Um, Faye was my little baby. I got her for my ninth birthday, and that was literally the best birthday gift ever, like, to this day. And where did she come from? She is a... She came from Canada originally. Mm -hmm. We got her as... I bought her as a two-year-old and trained her, and then your parents bought her for you for your ninth birthday. Yeah, I'm glad. (laughs) It was a lot of pony at first, because she was still kind of a uh, bronco. She was only five. Yeah, she was five, but she was pony. (laughs) So what did you do on Faye? Oh, gosh. I think, wasn't I nine when I I placed Mm -hmm. fourth? uh, In the nation. Yeah, in the nation. For the Welsh Pony and Cobb Society's um, dressage. Here's the kicker, and it's, um, don't get me started on on breed organizations, but we submitted Sydney's tests and all the proper paperwork for her as a youth. And the, the year before, I was reserve national champion at training level in the open division for the Welsh Pony um, and Cobb Society of America. And um, we submitted your stuff in the junior or in the youth, mm-hmm. and they scored you with the adults. Yeah. So at nine years old, <laughs> you were fourth at training level Welsh Pony and Cobb Society in the open, yeah. not in the youth. You yeah. were against all the trainers, and they would not change that even though as it turned out you would have been reserve national champion youth yeah so that was the last year I had anything to do with (laughs) because I tend to hold a grudge (laughs) don't mess with my kid right so then what else well so all right I want you to tell the story about when we were in Parker at your very first uh USDF sanctioned show with Faye and it was that we had no warm up, right? I no. got on the pony and trotted her down the bridle trail because they were dragging the warm up ring until five minutes before you went in to show. It was so dumb. At seven thirty a.m. in the morning. Yep. <laughs> so we were. She was trotting Faye up to the warm up ring because as a nine year old, I literally have no experience properly warming up I mean let's be honest here and she was trotting her up they were I remember you were so mad that they were they were doing that five minutes before my test you could just see steam steam like running out of your ears it was funny (laughs) but uh, I got on and then they had these loud golf carts not to mention that the one that passed was neon orange let's just keep that in with a kid in it yep and And a flag yeah yeah, it was so loud. Like, it's probably the loudest golf cart I've ever heard. And I was riding a 20-meter circle, and I remember... In the were, test. Yeah, in the test. And I remember you were reading the test to me, because this was my first yes. time. And Faye just starts bucking. I mean, this thing was, like, racing past, and she just starts bucking. Full-on bucking, <laughs> like, not a crow hop. No, and... I remember just trying to stay on the 20-meter circle because I was afraid that if I got off the circle, I'd be disqualified, and I really didn't want to be disqualified. And so I we rode a full 20-bucking-meter circle. (laughs) I remember 
gosh, it was bad. And got out of control and finished the test. I remember getting the test back, and the judge was like, very well handled technical difficulties. And he's like, bucking circle, by far the best I've seen. And I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> Mike Osinski. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic was, judge. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, so do you remember time, what but... you said when, so whenever you would come out of a practice or a, a test or anything, you're, you've always been like really self-examining, right? You come yeah. out and you're like, here's what I did good and here's what I did bad. Do you remember what you said when you came I don't, out? I don't remember. I just remember like being so, scared, <laughs> shaking. You were, and I'm like, I'm like trucking down there to the exit, right? Mm-hmm. And I walk up, I didn't even get to say anything. And you're like, I just need a minute. <laughs> I just can't say anything right now. I just need a minute. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> oh my God, that doesn't surprise me. I don't remember that because I was probably, my head was probably in a million different places at the time. I mean, <laughs> riding your buggy is so cool, trying not to come off, trying so to keep anyway, around. <laughs> then I had to go be MHSL and go to yes. the show office and say, why are we having yeah. drags in the ring five minutes before children mm-hmm. go anywhere? <laughs> that was probably the, the hardest test I've ridden. Right. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> So then you started jumping on Faye, and then you evented her, right? Yeah, that was fun. I had a lot of fun eventing Faye. I mean, I learned a lot, too, from her. And she was always so good in the dressage, right? That it, yeah. Um, it's always nice in eventing when you can start off on a solid dressage score, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you actually... Um, Showed her through one test at third level before mm-hmm. you just outgrew her. You just yeah. got too too tall for her. Yeah. Um, and so this will be, well, it's almost two years ago that you got OnStar. Really? Yeah. Gee, that didn't seem like that long ago. <laughs> Summer of 2018. Wow. So tell us how you got on Star. Okay, so I was outgrowing Faye at this point, and we didn't really have any other horses at the time. I mean, we were uh, on Star originally was a lady was going to come down from California or up, I guess, mm-hmm. for technically speaking, up from California to look at him, and he decided to almost slice his leg off on a T post at night, and so I remember you waking up and having to go help him out with that, but he it was about. Five, six inches, maybe? Oh, yeah. Bigger than that, it was, yeah. like, the full length of his cannonball. Yeah, that's and... true. I just get used to looking at it now and how much is closed. Mm-hmm. And you could see a lot of his cannonball. And I remember uh, the lady obviously didn't really want him anymore. So I was coming over any day, every day anyway to be a working student. And I would help, you know, doctor it every day. And... Yeah, one thing kind of led to another, and you're like, hey, do you want to just trade Faith for OnStar? I'm like, all right, cool, bigger model. I'm fine with that. And, yeah, I've been riding him ever since. And he's it's a great match. recovered, like, amazingly. I mean, I'm surprised that he has no lameness issues at all. No, no, he's 100% sound, and yeah. our vet, Dr. Casey Gruber, said from the beginning that he would be, and I didn't believe it, right? I was, mm-hmm. until you started rehabbing him, and then we ended up doing the trade, Mm-hmm. Um, I was shocked. He never was lame, but he has full function. He's jumping. and yeah. yeah. So he's been a challenge, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. He's just, especially just being that big of a horse, I had to really kind of accommodate for that. I mean, I've been riding this pony for so long, so I could just kind of muscle around. And 
him, you got to be really tactful about it. I mean, especially for one, because he's a warm blood and he's kind of hot. And two, because he's so much bigger than Faye was. I mean, mm-hmm. Faye was 14'3", and he was 16'2". Oh, he was, she's 14'2". She's 58 oh. inches. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, see, so yeah, just a big difference. So that was tough at first, but we're, we're okay with it now. I mean, I learned how to use my legs in a in the new way according to how big he is and my upper body has changed a lot too compared to what it was on Faye so yeah I mean I definitely have a lot of fun riding him he's fun because you're like 5'11 now aren't you something like that I don't even I'm afraid to look honestly I'm afraid to, <laughs> I'm afraid to look and see how tall I am now yeah no you fit him it's it's a really he's a really good match for you so it's exciting yeah. and then uh, tell us about your other horse Maddie oh Maddie too. So Maddie is a half Andalusian, half quarter horse cross. Um, she is sired by Tammy's stud, Carioco, and by a mare that we used to have. Her name was Wynn, and she just she is so beautiful. Maddie is just gorgeous. She yeah. has a really nice build. I mean, I she's, she's red done. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Red done. <laughs> Zebra stripes on her legs. Yes, I was so surprised though, and I never would have thought that's what he, it came well, out. Well, I mean, when had the done? She's done, mm-hmm. so she yeah. had the done factor. But Taco oh, yeah. also has a line back and some mm-hmm. unique she's, color features. Crazy, yeah. and yeah, she's very sassy. Very. So when she felt mm-hmm. you did the, you've handled her since birth, right? Yeah. You did the imprinting. <laughs> yep, I remember the day she was born. It was on a Tuesday, and it was rainy outside. And I remember going outside because I thought there was a deer in the, like, paddock. And I, I was like, what is one doing? And I, I went out there and I saw Maddie was there. And I literally just burst into tears. I went inside. I'm like, Dad, Maddie was born. And he was like, what? And Mom had already left. Like, wind showed no signs of falling at all. Like, her bag didn't wax at all. And, and your mom's like calved a lot of cows yeah. and fold before oh, yeah. she's not a newbie no right? and i called mom I'm like mom and I, like i was shaking so bad i remember that and tears were still like rolling down my face and i was like mom maddie was born maddie was born she's like oh, okay okay I'll, I'll, I'll come home and by that time i had to leave for school anyway but yeah. and then here i came yeah yeah <laughs> and tammy came over and helped and I, I definitely got a lot of pictures that day i mean she was such a cute girl and then you did all the ground school training with mm-hmm. her, and <laughs> not to mention the Daniel's muscle had to muscle her down a few times. But we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so she is the first. Um, you've ridden a lot of horses around here, mm-hmm. lots of different breeds, but she's the first one that you've started under saddle completely by yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Daniel did the first saddling for yes. safety, yes. but other than that, <laughs> you've done everything. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a really good learning experience for me because I've mostly just had riding experience. I mean, I've seen Daniel work with young horses and, and breaking them in, but I've never really gotten a chance to... to work with my own and and make my own and I'm really excited to see what she's going to be like when she's older I mean she's even now she's 110% better than a month ago I mean it's crazy how much she has improved in a little amount of time and I'm really excited yeah that's what happens with them right like um they they get to this point where they improve really really quickly then they'll kind of plateau and yep. then you know they'll stay there for a while and then they shoot up again so young horses are 
are really always interesting, always individual experiences. But you're really good about being patient with her and yeah. following the process, right? Yeah. So what's it like to take what I've been preaching to you for 10 years on trained horses and apply it to a young one? It's the same concept. I mean, if you, it's the same concept as riding. You, you still practice the same uh, abilities, but it's fun to watch them learn and to watch them figure it out and then offer something new. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really fun to watch that happen. And um, it's definitely different in a way from riding when you're when you're teaching it to them instead of you learning it. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a little bit different in that way, but it's still really good to learn. Do you, do you feel like you understand the training scale a little more deeply? Yes, it's a different perspective of the learning scale for sure. I mean, it's easier. Sometimes it's when you're learning something new, you can only learn it one way or or somebody can only explain it to you in a certain way. And sometimes you just need that extra, like, quote, language way of learning it to make it click and make it seem like, oh, okay, that's what I've been trying to understand for the past 10 years. I finally clicked, you know. Well, and, you know, right? <laughs> hey, I, we all right? have that experience. <laughs> Believe me, we all have that experience. But um, the, the perspective of riding a trained horse versus a young horse, and then now you have another really cool opportunity here lately. So mm-hmm. who who did you just get to start riding? I just started riding Shana's Simon's horse, Harley Davidson, and he is so cool. I mean, just another, a different per, like way of riding and a different, not style, but different quality, I guess, because he has yep. a lot more, he's built. I mean, he's already trained. Well, and he's a Grand Prix horse, yeah. right? And he already has that lift, and you don't have to, Ask for it as much as if you were riding OnStar. Mm-hmm. And he already has that collection that OnStar, yeah, doesn't have yet. And it's really cool to figure out how to ask for it more efficiently mm-hmm. compared to me trying to learn how to do it on him and me trying to teach him at the same time. It's just kind of like the blind leading the blind a little bit. But once you get it, it's it's fine. Him and I both understand. But it's definitely, it's definitely beneficial to have an older, more experienced horse to ride on to figure it out than to teach it to a horse that doesn't know it, then you don't know either. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. it's a chance for you to work on you yeah. and then take that experience mm-hmm. onto your younger horses. And from a trainer's perspective, an instructor's perspective, I can tell you that the difference in how you ride your horses, I mean, it's improved you so much in the last four weeks since you started riding Harley. Um, The way that you approach asking for things with your young horses, Mm -hmm. your expectation of responsiveness from them, um, things like how refined you ask first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just hauling them around, right? You're asking them with more refined aids and then getting a little firmer when you need to. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, schoolmasters are a gift to all of us to be able to work on ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? I've definitely noticed a lot of flaws in my writing that I need to get over. And it it Mm -hmm. explains so much of behaviors and the way my horses react to my aids now that I've figured out what I'm doing wrong. Right. That Harley's taught me. I mean, 
since he's already made, he's going to do what you ask him to. And so it's your job to figure out, well, why did he do that instead of this? This is what I asked for, but this is what I got. Right. And right. it's definitely opened my eyes like, oh, my gosh. Like, I wasn't as self-aware as I thought I was. So, I mean, don't you, that happens a lot, I can tell yeah. you, from a yeah. teaching perspective, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. when I'm trying to train somebody and they're like, no, I did ask for that. Well, but you didn't, But it right? didn't work, did it? So it's not, you didn't ask the right way. Yeah. It's not working. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely opened my eyes a lot more. Because I'm not as aware of my seat as I am compared to, like, where my upper body is or where my legs are. And... It's just something I've never really focused on before, but riding Harley, I noticed that I'm tighter in my seat than I thought I was, which Mm -hmm. is definitely, now that I'm more aware of it, it's definitely helped with even Maddie, who doesn't even know much of how to collect yet. It's just helped her sit back. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy how how much that makes a difference. Oh, and and your young horses are going to come along so much faster yeah, because yeah. of how you've used your rides on Harley to improve your skill set mm-hmm. to then take back to young horses. So um, what would you say to young riders who, um, let's say there's a training level young rider, mm-hmm. maybe jumping two feet okay. that wants to start their own colt. What would your advice be to them? Definitely shadow somebody first. That would be my best advice. Just to watch somebody who you know produces good working horses and you know that are safe around them and aren't making any dangerous moves. Definitely shadow somebody first and then go on from there. Or if you have any prior experience like I have riding horses and knowing the training skill, that would help too. But if you have no like prior experience... In riding horses for a longer time or more watching anybody break one, then I would definitely recommend shadowing somebody first. What's and, our what's our saying about green on green? Oh, green on green makes black and blue. So definitely <laughs> don't do green on green at all. <laughs> That's you're just asking for trouble then. So I mean basically green riders don't have enough skills to offer to a green horse. Yes. Yeah. And, one thing leads to another, and you got a broken back. So. Yeah, no, it's not a good thing. And no. uh, we we really encourage um, green riders to to be with experienced horses, and um, green horses to be with experienced riders. Yes, and you are an experienced rider. It's you've accomplished a lot, and and you're under constant supervision. That's not yes. you know you're yes. you're working these horses with me mm-hmm. all the time. And yeah. That's another thing I would say. If you're breaking a colt, definitely have somebody there with you who is more experienced to watch you to make sure that you aren't doing anything wrong or incorrect um, so that you don't mess up your chances of creating a good horse and so that you know for next time when you do another one what you're supposed to do. That would be my best advice. Good advice. So you've been technically a working student with me since you were 11. But before that, you helped at the shows oh, yeah. since you were eight, right? <laughs> yeah. Before I could even ride at the shows, I mean, where I was too young to ride, I would go and help and clean out stalls and fill up water buckets and run a mile to go get water. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was definitely in really good shape in my eight years that I was <laughs> helping. <laughs> Now, not so much, but it's okay. Oh, whatever. You're <laughs> in good shape. Well, I hit the quarantine snacks. Yes, exactly. 
So, well, but during quarantine, you've been riding three and four horses a day plus school. So I don't think you've been slacking. (laughs) But um, so what are some of the things you've learned being a working student? What's your view on your time being a working student slash slave for Tim? I would say if you have any questions, definitely ask them. Like, don't just assume unless you... 100% 100% know that's how it's supposed to be done. Um, because if not, and you do it the wrong way, you're going to have troubles later. I mean, I've learned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've learned that. <laughs> that's um, just a life lesson, yeah. though, right? Yeah, that's... Speak up. Ask. Yeah, and pretty much writing in general has taught me a lot of life lessons. Lessons? Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when I've been working and writing, it just... It's I've learned to not just give up and move on. Like you just gotta keep working through it, whether it be an issue that you have in your riding or issues that you're trying to resolve um, with a horse, anything like that. You just have to keep working through it and be patient. That would be one thing I would say is just be patient because I know I tend to lose my temper a little bit faster than I should, and it's definitely gotten better. But I just need to remind myself, hey, you know, it's gonna take time. Rome wasn't built in a day. It's just going to take time to, to get there. Mm-hmm. And I say that's, those are probably really important things that I've learned. And hard work definitely gets you places. I mean, it's gotten me a lot of places. Um, well, yeah, because having, it's not like um, everything was just paid for for you, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, working here, I pay off my board doing work. That's how I, that's how I pay off my board. I mean, I don't. Me being 16, I don't have daddy's money to go and pay for things. I have to work for it myself, and I'm okay with that because that's how I was raised, and that's how I'm being taught to make a living out of life. Mm-hmm. I don't have money that's given to me or, you know, stuff handed to me on a silver platter, which I'm very grateful for. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way because it's taught me a lot of things in life that you just you have to keep going. You have to keep working through it. So... Now, just to be clear, you didn't. We didn't plan this at all, right? No, no. <laughs> we we're just we're no. just we're just having a conversation. But one of the things I wanted to ask you was, so what are your feelings when there have been other kids in the program that do have everything paid for, right? Like yeah. they didn't have to work as hard as you. They'd maybe. Um, we'd haul the horses right mm-hmm. and they'd show up at the show and then their parents mm-hmm. collect them and leave and sometimes you're taking care of that horse at, when they're gone you're the one walking it off the trailer you're yeah. the one watering it at the fuel stops you're so what are your feelings I'm just curious because I haven't really ever asked you right I just I don't I can't it kind of boils my blood a little bit. I'm not even going to lie. It kind of makes me mad. Like, I just have to take care of your stuff. That's not my job. It's not my job to make sure that your horses are watered, they're fed, they're grained. That's not my job. Do your own work. Get your own stuff done. We all have our own stuff to do. Horse shows are hectic. They are very hectic. You have places to be. You know, your buddy is being in the saddle at this time. You need to check your horse's water all the time. Make sure they're hydrated. You know, brush out their tail. Make sure they're clean. And I don't have time for me to do that plus what I need to do at a show. It's just not, it's not fair to other people to have, have them do your work for you. You know, it's, it just kind of makes me mad. 
know. Well, and it's that <laughs> it's that their their parents are paying a fee for that to happen yeah. instead of their kid having to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just the way, like I said, the way I was raised, you have to work for what you want. And it just makes me mad that they don't have to work for it. Mm-hmm. And that you're making other people do it, but your hard work isn't the same as money. I mean, it's it's not. And especially if you're having the burden of having to have other people do the work for you. It's just... So what do you, what do you think that they're missing horsemanship-wise by handing that stuff off? They're just missing the whole idea of hard work and that you need to take care of your own stuff. Like, horses are a living, breathing thing. Like, you wouldn't just leave it out to do nothing. I mean, you have to take care of it, make sure it's well-fed, make sure its feet are done. Like, you can't just, you know toss it away like a rag doll. I mean, you can't do that. It's a, it's a living thing. You wouldn't do that to any other thing. You wouldn't do that to a sibling or a dog or even a hamster. No. You just don't do that. Well, I mean, you know this already, but if I had my way and um, things have changed around here at Heart Tea Ranch in the last um, couple of years, to where those kids I'm talking about are not here anymore, yeah, right? Because... because I said enough and I'm choosing who I want to work with and I'm about helping any rider, but particularly young riders. Um, I think it's really important to learn all the aspects of horsemanship and that's something that you've really embraced and I think that you would you would not want anybody else to do it for you, right? No, I'd much rather have the self-satisfaction of me doing it myself and having it turn out the way I want it to. And I think that's a lot of things that kids who just get everything handed to them miss. Like, they don't get that self-satisfaction of, hey, I did that. Look how good it looks. Look, I'm very yeah. proud of what I did. And that's definitely something that I've learned along the way of, of being here and just riding in general. I mean, it's definitely carried out even through my schoolwork. I mean, everything I do, it just it helps me be a better person and be more productive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I can, you've been here through um, other like college age working students that Mm -hmm. I've had that didn't quite cut it, right? Um, Either work ethic wise or upholding the quality of work and handling and dedication to learning my program. Mm -hmm. So do you, I'm curious from your viewpoint, I've never asked you this either. (laughs) So do, do you think that I'm harsh on my demands for quality control? No, because everything needs to be, they can't be of poor quality or else you're, it's not going to do well. I mean, riding, the business, anything. I mean, if you're going to clean your room, are you just going to pick up certain things and just leave other things laying there? Or are you just going to clean it up? clean it all up and make sure that it looks good and that it's nice. I mean, it's, I definitely, having other students that were here and other um, college students, I could definitely kind of pick out what, and granted, I had been there longer than they have. I mean, I could kind of pick and choose what wasn't working for them and like what they could improve on. I mean, I'm not a kid that's just going to go up and say, hey, you kind of suck, like (laughs) get your crap together. But, you know, it's, I've definitely noticed what 
they lack sometimes. And I understand everybody lacks in everything, but even when you say something about it or when um, somebody points it out to them, they don't fix it. Like, they just yeah. kind of say, I don't need to listen to you or it doesn't matter, which it does matter. It matters. It's It, it doesn't... It's not like you can go through life without brushing your teeth and not have rotted teeth when you're older. Like, it matters. It matters. It matters. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, like... From the time you were little, every every student here, everyone who rides with Heart Teen Ranch, when we go out into public, it every day that we're here, we take pride in what we do. But when we go out into public, it's kind of like extra extra special, right? That yeah. we are perceived. Present. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to present yourself well. I mean, you have to be proud. You have to be proud of your barn and what you ride, how you ride. You have to be well presented. I mean, it's just like going to a job interview. I mean, you want people to say, hey, she looks very nice. She takes care of her horse as well. Everything looks nice. She's not just kind of throwing things here and, you know, scatterbrained and everything like every. Yeah, it's just treat everyone with respect. And that's something that um, we've always like been really adamant about. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a problem with an official, you come to me and I go to them. There's no, no kids, no parents, no students are having any negative interaction with officials whatsoever. Yes. And that's very important because you don't want to make bad bonds. Yeah. That's definitely something you don't want to do in the horse world. I mean, cause that it can bite you in the butt later for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, and so when when we go somewhere and everyone's in their um, Hearty Ranch polos tucked in to their mm-hmm. breeches, yep. looking neat, hair yep. put up, and then you see other barns in shorty shorts and yeah. tube tops. and yeah. it's, it's part of etiquette. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's horse show etiquette. Like, if it's horse... <sighs> I, I guess so. <laughs> seeing other barns, it just it sometimes makes me cringe. It's, it's... If you don't present yourself well and make sure that you aren't dressing out of proportion or acting out of proportion it's very important that you act with respect you dress nicely you you make sure that your horses are taken care of nicely and people notice I mean trust me I've been told before hey I love the way you ride I, I love the way you look you look very well put together, and you say thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. People notice. I mean, don't nothing goes unnoticed. That's right. So I mean, that's that's, right. yeah, that's right. So what uh, with all the shutdown of the shows of everything this year, kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. But so, how have your goals shifted this year? I think this year is going to be more of a training year for sure. I mean, my goals aren't so much of. Um, showing at a certain level, like I have to show third level or I have to show training level on Natty or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's more of getting everything together, like work. It's not so much of a timeline or like a deadline. It's more of the pressure's going, right? Yeah. It's more of accumulating skills and, and different, um, what am I trying to say? Different like ways of doing things. Like you can... You can ask for different things. Oh, fuck. I don't know why I just, like... I was thinking of, like, yeah. Let's go, go. I was like, 
She's <laughs> clucking at the microphone now. I cluck at people disease. all the time when they don't like move when they're not. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm very guilty of that. I'll be like, like people turn around and Walmart like, what is she clucking at? I'm like, oh god, I did it again. And Mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Clucking at people in Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, uh, for myself, I know that all of a sudden this spring, it's it's really it's been fun, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's more like what do we have under us today and what do we need to do and where are we headed? And um, even like with you really um, mastering your long lining, right? With your young Definitely more, um, I definitely have more availability to learn different skills like long lining or, you know, in hand work or liberty work with OnStar. I mean, it's definitely given me a lot more opportunity to further my, um, skills in that in that sort of way which is nice because normally if you're just during a regular show season you're just sort of hammering riding which sometimes show gets prep riding right yeah, yeah it gets overwhelming mm-hmm. and you need to have other skills because i know we long line today and i the crazy benefits that come from that even watching for me personally when i long line it's amazing to see the visual representation of what would happen if I were if I was in the saddle I mean it's mm-hmm. you know seeing OnStar collect and have them relaxed and just that I think that's pretty amazing it's um, very it's very cool and yeah. it's such a, a tool you can utilize as a as a trainer and and of course you know my saying about if if you're handling or riding them you're training them right yeah, yeah. you're responsible for that interaction yeah um but the skills it takes to master some of those more advanced in-hand techniques, long-lining techniques, that's um, that's been a lot of years in the making. I mean, you've been doing ground school for a long, since you were seven. Yeah, I was going to say since we're seven. Because I remember going to you the first You brought Patchy. One. I remember Rick and Patchy. You know, it might have been that fall you were six. Actually, I think it was right after you started lessons. So you wouldn't, you yeah. would have been a long six. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember going to the first one and it's and it's nice though because in the horse community everybody's like genuinely nice unless they're not like (laughs) (laughs) unless they're not yeah truth true story true story story. (laughs) for me compared to other groups of people i hang out with like my school friends um everybody just acts differently like you have a, a kind of a connection already knowing that you both ride have the same interests mm-hmm. you can kind of talk about that and they're more I feel like when I go to shows they're a little bit more genuine people than if I were to go hang out with friends like friends of friends sort yeah. of situation yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah I mean common bond right yeah and I think definitely going through ground school and riding has definitely um furthered my skills even social skills <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna say so I mean there's you're um, your advanced certified PEMF human yes. and equine, right? Yes. At 16 years old, um, that's quite an accomplishment. And you do a lot of talking to people when we go out and do these trade shows, and you're helping me at the the PEMF booth, mm-hmm. and your mom and I are are working on selling, and and you're doing a lot of explaining the technology to people yeah. and. Um, so 
Are you nervous at all about that? Or because you don't seem to be. So Well, it just kind of depends on the crowd. Like, I feel like I would have been really nervous if we would have gone to the Carl Hester Clinic, like talking to like high class people like that. I'm like, oh my God, they just went there. But um, honestly, I just have to think if they don't want to come back, then they won't come back. Like if you can't be afraid to talk to people working in this kind of business, because I think of it this way. If they're not going to come back, then you're only going to see them once. It's not going to matter. But if they're genuinely interested and they come back, then you then you obviously did a good job explaining and helping them understand the technology or even giving a demo. Mm-hmm. And that's what I have to remind myself of. I mean, if I'm explaining it to somebody and they're like, no, I'd rather not try it. You're like, okay, that's totally fine. I mean, you can't get butthurt about it. Yeah. Not everybody's going to try it. Well, and isn't it fun when they do come back? Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, how, it's hello. How, how have you been? And you're like, do you feel better? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Because I remember working on my math teacher and he mm-hmm. just, he came up to me. At lunch, he's like, I feel so much better. I'm, That's awesome. I'm really glad I came and tried it. I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, it was it was good. It was kind of funny because I kind of became the teacher in that instance, which was kind of funny because that is. he was a math teacher. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely helped with my social skills because before I started, like, working with PMF and stuff like that, I mean, I, I'm not generally the type of kid that would have gone up to you and said hi like I mm-hmm. would have had rather you say hi to me or just mind my own business I don't I don't really like talking to other people when I'm when I'm working at horse shows if we're in leisurement time that's totally fine mm-hmm. I have no problem with that but definitely with PMF and going to trade shows it's definitely forced me to talk to people first and right to initiate the conversation yeah, yeah. right Well, and for those of you listening, you understand Sid's role when we go to these trade shows is generally she works the crowd and brings them (laughs) in. She's like, hey, have you heard about PMF? Would you like to try it? Here's the form to sign and gets them all signed in. Um, Often is explaining the technology while people are waiting. So, I mean, she's our she's our first line of defense as Tara and I are usually really busy in the booth giving demonstrations and Sid's out there, you know, exciting people to get to the booth. So, um, yeah, it's, I can tell you what, there's not many um, young people that develop the kind of um, public relations skills that you are with the different opportunities that you have, both through your writing mm-hmm. and through the PMF stuff and, you know, working with your mom and I. And yeah. And it's definitely fun when you're explaining it to people. They kind of just have this look of shock, like, how can a 16-year-old know so much about Most this people don't subject? think you're 16. Yeah, most actually, so most people don't. think I'm, like, 19. They so. do. They think you're in college. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody thinks you're a high school student. No, most people ask me, like, what, where, I am, where I'm at in college. I'm like, I'm actually a sophomore in high school. They're like, oh, my God, are you serious? I'm like... Yeah, I mean, why would I lie about that in the first place? Like, I really <laughs> Who wants to be a sophomore <laughs> yeah. in high school? <laughs> and so it's definitely helped, even with writing. Like when I explain it to people, they're like, what? Like I understand what you're saying, but just kind of a look of shock. Like how do you know this? It's just all the years of working through it and learning and wanting wanting to learn. That's the main key is just wanting to know more about it. That's That's really important when it comes to PMF or writing either way so what do you um you have an interesting perspective right because mm-hmm. um 
you deal with a lot of adults on a daily basis, yes, but yes. you also are still a high school student. So mm-hmm. what what do you see as the biggest lacking of kids in high school in general? Like what are the getting ready to go out into the real world, right? Like mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. do you see that this generation is lacking? Number one, I don't know if this is just my school or schools in general. But I see a lot of lack in maturity level. I mean, honestly, I don't know if it's that I hang out with adults all the time or if I'm, what's going on there. As far as what? Like they're not responsible? Yeah, they're not responsible. They don't really care, honestly. Uh They're not really like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Like, no, you have to make it happen. Like, you can't just let it happen. And I think just kind of the will to work almost Mm -hmm. i mean i know that sounds really generic of like oh this generation just has no work ethic which some do and that's awesome but as far as as my school goes columbus high school there's just sometimes there's just not a whole lot of wanting to work or wanting to why do you think that is do you think that it's just so much is handed to them that they don't have to work for it yeah and then just whether they just choose not to give a crap or if they just well either way they're probably choosing not to care I mean yeah nobody just wakes up and just doesn't care well it's a little bit of a loaded question right because we talk about this a lot um as business professionals Mm -hmm. um the CEO of our company is Mm -hmm. has his own opinions about it and I tend to agree with him Mm -hmm. um there is a level of entitlement yes, I, yes. in this generation yep. that is frightening. Yep. And I think that um, even though you have to work your butt off, right? Like you mm-hmm. work your butt off here, you work your butt off on the ranch at home, mm-hmm. you have responsibilities in the house, you, you have responsibilities. Yep. How, how many kids that you know have the level of responsibilities that you have? Very, very few. I know, like, ranch kids, obviously, we share the same lifestyle. I mean, I know the struggles that they have, and I know what kind of work they have to do. And it's definitely nice to know that you're not the only one that has to work hard. Like like I said, it kind of makes me mad when kids just get whatever. And I think it's really important for you to learn how to work hard because once you get out into the quote real world you're gonna be screwed i mean you're not gonna have everything handed to you you're well and that's the thing sid like i mean as you get older i i want you in about five or ten years to look back at this podcast <laughs> and um see that i had a little crystal ball in my hand yeah yeah and i'm gonna tell you that in your generation, your kind of work ethic, determination, you're smart, you're articulate, that is going to take you absolutely wherever you want to go in life. And there are going to be a lot of other kids asking uh, if you'd like fries with that because yeah. <laughs> they yep. didn't have the gumption, <laughs> right, yep. to yep. go and put the work in to follow their dreams. And yep. I mean, you know that we've, we've talked a lot about it when you're held captive in my truck on these long <laughs> road trips and everything. And yeah. <laughs> I kind of like the tight space, though. I like it. very cozy. Right? Like, like we have fun on road trips, yeah, right? Yeah, And uh, get ice cream, it's all good. <laughs> there's always time. There's always ice cream. <laughs> always time for ice cream. Yes. Always time for ice cream. Yes. 
No, but I mean, I, you know this, but I'm so proud of all that you've accomplished and excited for everything you have ahead of you. Right. It's exciting times. So um, to finish up, what are, um, what are some of your goals and anything you'd like to tell riders out there during this quarantine? Any advice for them? I would definitely, if you have the opportunity, go and ride. Like it's, if you have the opportunity, take advantage because most people don't right now. And if you want to get ahead, then take the opportunity to go and ride and go better yourself. But if you don't have the opportunity, which I'm, I'm very sorry if you don't, um, definitely work on either strength. I know that's a really big mm-hmm. um factor in riding and you have to be able to make it happen sometimes and kind of get scrappy with it um or just work on you know yoga I mean I know yoga really helps me with self-awareness and balance issues or being able to kind of get a hold of myself and say hey this is what I feel like this is where I'm at right now and I think that's really important when it comes to riding um for any young riders, uh, definitely do your schoolwork because I know it's hard. Right. <laughs> School is hard, but riding wise, maybe clean your tack. Who knows? Like, just get ahead somehow. I mean, it doesn't. That's up to you to figure out where you're lacking and just get ahead that way if you can. Or if you can't get ahead in a way where you want to figure out other aspects of your riding or other ways you can further yourself. That would be my best advice right now. That's a life lesson for anybody, right? Yeah. It's like if you're sitting there. And you can't complain about how bad you have either. Like you're the one who's (laughs) not doing anything about it. That's right. That's That's right. You can't just say, oh, my life sucks. You're like, but you're also sitting on the couch doing nothing. So, I mean. Yeah. You you have no room to complain. Make a list. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Make a list. And if, if you have time to sit there and complain about your situation, then you have time to get up and do something about it, right? Exactly. You can't just expect something to change without you doing anything. Well, now that's just crazy talk. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever did you get this idea from? Jeez. (laughs) Clearly been hanging out with your mother and I too long. Yeah. 16 years with my mom and 10 with you. Which would take different than that. Oh, you're the best. Well, thank you so much for being my first interview on the podcast. Yeah, well, because everybody's shut down. So we're going to be working (laughs) on it. Um, We're going to be working on it. We have some other really fun um, interviews coming as soon as I can make those happen. But um, all right, I guess uh, we're going to go and maybe work another horse and take advantage of the spring weather coming the next few days, right? It's supposed to be up into the 60s and 70s. So. Well, everybody, um, again, Sid, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And imparting your little wisdom. (laughs) um, For everybody else, stay safe, be well, and until next time, live unfiltered.